0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. And here we are live here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram. You're live with Dr. Jeff Warber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff here for you. Here for your pets. Any questions you may have. Anything you thought you wanted to ask. Anytime your veterinarian couldn't help you because he would couldn't even get in. Um, now is the time to ask. Free advice. And you know, what could be better than free? Anyway, thank you all for joining me here. Uh, as you know, I've been um, gone for the last couple of weeks. I'm back from my river rafting trip up the Rogue River in Oregon. Uh, my brother-in-law Steve, who's on here now, could attest. It was a great time. Nine of us from our high school classmates uh, from our high school graduating class of 1972, and it was absolutely amazing. And um, we all had a great time. Most of us took a little swim when we were in the kayaks. The rafts did great. The big rafts, but when you do the kayaks, sometimes it was pretty tough. And um, anyway, it was just amazing. Uh, Everything about it. Ouzel Outfitters, O U Z E L. If you ever want to plan a trip like this, you got to get a hold of them. The guides were absolutely amazing. The food was great they took care of everything you know we slept under the skies i actually made myself a little tent they, they had tents for everybody there it could nothing improved it was it was that good and we, we all had a great time and uh, we're already talking about not waiting another 50 years to do something like this but we're going to uh, uh maybe do something uh, a lot sooner it was really 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 fun anyway i'm glad to see you all here uh steven hello Shana to you as well and um okay A question. We want questions. So you have any questions here at Life Radio, easy to get a hold of me, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Better yet, you're here. Join me live. Have your pet with you and ask away. Here on Instagram, you're doing it. You're here on live. So we're going to start with, what's your favorite fleet control suggestion for a seven-month-old terrier mix puppy? So the old standard, when it comes to dogs, we're frontline and advantage or canine advantage both very safe but they are the same product that they were introduced almost 20 years ago i think for frontline about 20 maybe advantage was maybe 18 and a half 19 years ago and it's just not working anymore i mean it's not it's not zero effectiveness but it's not what we need it doesn't have the efficacy anymore given the fact that it's been on the market for so long fleas as you know any insect they develop resistance so quickly Matter of years, they can start developing resistance, and then it went over the counter, and then the people aren't following the instructions correctly. The uh, stronger fleas are living, they're breeding, and now you have a more fleas that are resistant. Before you know it, they're all resistant. So there's a new class, the isoxazolines. There are four products in this line. Uh, they are Cordelio, Pervecto, Nexgard, and Semperica. They will. They're very safe with with a little caveat, a little asterisk there, and that is if dogs have a tendency or a history of seizures, it is possible that not all of them, but one or two of these isoxazolines may stimulate a seizure. So so there's got to already be a predisposition. Um, I've been using it on my dogs. I use the um, the Nexgard, totally safe. I've recommended thousands upon thousands of doses. None of my patients have had a problem. But of course, when you go online, it's sensationalizing everything. There could be two cases out of uh, ten million, and you're all you're going to read about are those two cases. So, my good friend, Dr. Mike Dryden, professor emeritus of parasitology at Kansas State University, his lab has tested everything. I don't think there's a flea product or any you know parasite-related product that hits the market that has not been through his lab first at K State, and he's a big fan of these. and I, And that's kind of the lead I follow. So, any of them. Now, one thing I will add to this is that we are seeing here in Southern California more and more mosquitoes. It has never been a problem before. And now, again, it was predicted years ago because the again, mosquitoes are changing. There's a couple of breeds that have adapted to our drier climate humidity. And therefore, we are seeing more and more mosquitoes. Mosquitoes carry heartworm disease. And that heartworm disease, most of the time, except for the ProHeart products were injections for either six months or a year, Mostly often are given as a once-a-month chewable. That like HeartGuard, like Interceptor, very effective. Well, three of the four Isoxazolines, and it wouldn't surprise me if the fourth one, Brevecto, will follow suit soon, have a triple protection, fleas, tick, and heartworm. So Cordelio Plus, Symparica Trio, and NetsGuard just came out with their Plus, and it's not just flea, tick, and heartworm, flea, tick, heartworm, and intestinal parasites. So and you get a, a quadruple whammy. Um, if you want to do that, go that route. So those are the ones that I'd recommend. And if you have an animal, a dog that has had seizures before and now you're, you're somewhat hesitant, go ahead and try one if it works, great. If not, try one of the others. What Dr. Dryden said is just because one of them may initiate a seizure in dogs that are already predisposed, not everyone will. So it's worth trying another one. If none of them work or you're ner- nervous, revolution is still an option. Comfortus trifexis are still options. They're newer, so they haven't. There's not as much resistance. But I would, at this point, avoid. I mean, you could, again, they're totally safe. If you want to try it, there's no downside to trying it. But the uh, fipronil, which is frontline, or the imidacloprid, which is Advantix and K9 Advantix, may. Well, you could try them. They're safe, but they probably won't be as effective as you'd want them to be. So uh, keep that in mind. Sludge is all better ways to get rid of it. So yes. That is something that we often see. And basically when you do an ultrasound, you look at the gallbladder, the gallbladder usually is when the dogs are, are hungry, uh, you see there's more bile in the gallbladder. And that's what it does. I mean, it helps with digestion. And therefore, when we have a dog that's starving um, or not eating well, you'll see more, a larger gallbladder because every time one of the stimulus to, to reduce and to secrete the bile um, into the intestines through the bile ducts is from eating. So, what we see when we see sludge, it's almost like think of crystals in a regular urinary bladder. That's kind of what the sludge is. If there is, you know, basically if that's all there is and there is no obstruction, then you might want to try something talk to your veterinarian. It's a prescription called Ursodiol. Ursodiol will help decrease some of the sludge, but it's not recommended if there's any kind of bile duct obstruction. So, it will help reduce the sludge But uh, as I said, you want to make sure first that everything is open. The channels are open. The bladder, gallbladder will empty with food, you know, with a meal. Then ursodiol is, it works well. I have many, many clients that have been on on ursodiol for, I mean, years, and they're doing really, really well. So that would be my recommendation. But you need to, you know, first get an ultrasound, talk to your veterinarian. I even need to see an internist to make sure that everything is in order. Now, beyond that, Can the gallbladder be surgically removed? And the answer is yes. Again, that would be a surgery for, in my opinion, a board-certified surgeon. I do a lot of soft tissue surgery. I've done liver lobe resections, uh, but I would not do a gallbladder. But for a board-certified surgeon or a a veterinarian who is just really comfortable and adept at surgery, then it might be something to look forward to as another option in the future. If you have any more questions than that, please reach out to me, and I'd be happy to help you has bloody mucus poop not eating waste between Sirenia and flagell. Well, the sirenia is more for nausea. But again, if some of this not eating is because of nausea, then yes, sirenia might help. Flagel would be something I would use, liquid flagell, of course, and a dog that small, because you couldn't effectively cut a pill that small. It's got to be either, you know, made up, compounded, or the liquid flagell is great. You're looking at, you know, maybe 30, 25 milligrams, very small amount. So anyway, as far as other things you could do is I would add fiber to the diet. When you have um, a soft stool or uh, with blood in the, in the stool or mucus in the stool, then I would um, also add fiber to the diet brand, cooked oatmeal, uh, cooked sweet potato, cooked yams, um, uh, uh, canned pumpkin, even some psyllium. There are a lot of things you could do, but that will help as well. And um, but I'm, I'm, the bloody stool doesn't bother me that much. That's usually an indication of colitis. It's of not eating, because most dogs that just have colitis are still eating, they're happy, they're acting totally normally, except for sometimes the mucus coating on the stool and maybe even with a little blood, that's just the lining of the colon being shed and a little bleeding, but the not eating. So you know, if ACE is still not doing this, then um, still not eating, then obviously needs to be seen. Five and a half, 15 and half. wow, good, I love it. Uh, Peaches had a post-surgery senior blood test of liver numbers since she had surgery. Went from wow that's great 30 to 1800 so that's really good now i'm assuming that this high number is i'm thinking alkaline phosphatase if it is ALT, alanine transferase then that's i mean 1800 is still high you know the normal is 131 or something so but it dropped almost in half that's great so um well as far as i would still continue medical treatment uh keep me posted if it's the alkaline phosphatase that is uh, that's one that we do see higher still 1800 is high but older dogs often have some um, things called vacuolar hepatopathy and they can um also have some high values but not as uh, clinically effective so yeah oh 200 to 400 are normal so we're getting there we're getting there i would definitely go back on on the liver medication there's no there's no downside to s or whatever you're using Denamarin, it's, it's always good ira so ira we were just i don't know if you missed we were just a bunch of us from school uh, were just in Oregon at the Rogue River where Grants Pass and Medford, we flew into Medford. So uh, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun. We had really, really fun. I'm, I'm sure you living in Oregon must have done some of those trips at some point, but it was it was absolutely great. All females those going to heat Are there those that never do? Can you test be able to spay? Okay, so great question. Physiologically, the answer is yes. Now, if you have an, for sure an intact female that has never gone into season. that means one of a few things. It could be they were all very minor silent and you just didn't know it. That's possible. Or maybe her plumbing on the inside is different. Maybe there's some ovarian issue. If you have this had this dog since a puppy and has never gone into heat, then I would still recommend an exploratory because there was a case I just read about actually this week of a dog that externally was female. And yet internally had testicles. It was an hermaphrodite. And that's why that dog would have never gone to the heat Because it really internally, testicles are not ovaries. So therefore, it's not going to cycle. So anyway, you know, these are really, really weird things. But you know, again, we don't see. I I think I've seen maybe one in my 40 years. Or if it was a stray or it was a rescue, then it could have been spayed, in which case you want to do the talk to your veterinarian. There are some hormone tests that can be done where you stimulate and then you take a um, blood test after the stimulation and see if the levels go up to a certain point, uh, the progesterone levels, and then you can basically tell whether or not she has been spayed or not. So anyway, keep that in mind. Now, that's great. So that's actually, uh, yeah, give her the medicine again. When you hear a story like this and they did surgery on a dog her age, and the same thing I did with my dog, a 15-year-old Labrador. And- he made it to 16 and a half afterwards so you know don't use age as your guide your gauge you know it's certainly something to consider you'll consider it when it comes to the anesthesia what choice you use what medication you may use what anesthetic agents you're going to use but it's not going to be the make or break when if the dog is doing well otherwise if the labs are good if the dog looks good and is acting fine and eating fine don't be afraid of anesthesia our modern anesthetics are so safe and um You know, there are animals, there are people, you know, that go in for hip replacements in their early, you know, late eighties, early nineties. I mean, it all depends on the body, not on the age. So keep that in mind. I want some questions. If not, I'm going to share some things with you. Okay. A couple of stories that I've been so busy with questions lately, which is great. I've not had a chance to just share some other things with you. So here I go. Uh, By the way, these are some things from the, from the news feeds and um, I'll do a couple of them. Then we're going to take a break and we'll come back. Hopefully you have some questions. If not, we'll have more to talk about. Lepto. Lepto seems to be on the rise again in some areas of the country. And, you know, and what happens is it, it, it goes up and down. So um, you know, the, the more relaxed people get and they stop you know, vaccinating or, or, or taking precaution, then we see a rise in this. That's what happens to parvovirus. Every several years, we see a rise in parvo because people stop getting the vaccine. So anyway, just keep that in mind. I think we did the story about raw milk. Uh, better than pasteurized. It turns out that there is there are potentially more dangers to raw milk than lack of nutrition in pasteurized milk. So anyway, it's something to be aware of. E. coli, listeria, salmonella, these parasites are obviously in much larger uh, quantities in raw, non-pasteurized milk. So you think maybe that you're doing you know, your, your pet a favor or you a favor to, to be drinking raw milk and it's been showing that, uh, uh, no, not the case. OCD, right? We've, we've talked about that. A lot of people, I'm sure you know, that have a OCD. And guess what? Dogs have it too. And um, things like pacing, responding to invisible objects, when stressed, when things like this, when they hide in corners, they walk into a corner called head pressing. So this is really something to know. And um, I, I would tell you that you always look for the physical causes first. But if all those check out, uh, you might do a consult with a neurologist, but we are—we do see an, and see animals with dementia, with with um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and they do kind of funny, funky things. So keep that in mind. It does happen. All right, and yes, we probably should. I hear it's great. Yeah, I hear the Northern Oregon Coast is great. Astoria. I remember that. I think wasn't the movie um, *Kindergarten Cop* took place in Astoria? Anyway. Uh, okay, hold on a second. All right, you too, Ira. And all right, uh, we're going to go on a quick break because we have to do it for our sponsors. Don't go away. We come back. I got a few more things. And if you have any questions, think about them now. We come back. We'll answer them. We'll be back minute. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And we're back. We're back here live with Pet Life Radio. Here we're live with Dr. Jeff. And we we're talking on the break with Instagram on cancer. Like, is there any new information about an increase in cancer in all animals? And, you know, I. I'm not convinced that there's a true increase relative maybe to our awareness, to our knowledge, where we're diagnosing more. We're also beating other diseases that affect our older animals. So now they're living longer and now getting cancer. They would have probably gotten it anyway if we couldn't treat the heart disease well or if we couldn't treat the kidney disease well. So these are all things that, that need to be concerned. Is there a greater number or better recognition, better diagnostic skills? I think people are willing to go further on their testing and maybe we're finding more cancer that way it is it's a very interesting question i'm not sure i have an answer and certainly or the right answer what i will do is i will um i have a good friend of mine who uh uh, dr rodney ale amazing he's double boarded in oncology medical oncology and radiation oncology and i'm gonna see if he uh is aware are they noticing truly an increase in the number of uh, uh cases of cancer And then if it is, if there is, then I would say it's got to be diet. It's got to be overall health. It's got to be the immune system, stimulating the immune system. I mean, think of it this way. You know, people that get sick in general get disease. They're usually, I mean, not they're usually, but oftentimes the incidence is greater in people that are in terrible condition, that don't eat well, don't exercise. Conversely, people that do oftentimes seem to stay healthier in the long haul. Now, again, I've had stories where that is not the case. Uh, one of my friend's brothers passed on relatively early from pancreatic. And this guy was in amazing shape. He did the century bike riding. He was lean. He was tall. He had everything going for him as far as health. And he kept losing weight, losing weight. Doctor said, you're working out too much. You got to eat better. Eat more, more protein. Right? He ate more, still losing weight. And they started, he had a full body scan, pancreatic cancer. He was gone three months later. I mean, that does happen for sure. So you know, the best we can do is keep ourselves in good shape. That's what I'm working on, trying to do, and I think that will, if, if anything, if uh, it'll make me feel better while I'm here. Right? I could do more, so that's um, kind of one of the things I, I'm happy about. That if it keeps me um, running around, keeps me at uh, you know almost 69 years old, going to wild river trips and and st- and getting tossed out of kayak and swimming and all that braving the rapids, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, we could maybe get a guest on oncologist. It might be. Uh, let me work on that. That's a good point. Actually, well, a good a friend of mine is doing his radiation oncology, but I'm looking for someone doing medical oncology. So, um, yeah, let me uh, let me look into that. That wouldn't be a bad idea. And that, who I can get is based in New York. Dr. Sue Ettinger. She is. She does a lot of media herself. Maybe I can get her as a guest. I'll send her a text today, and um, see if we can we can arrange for that. That would be a. Great one, and a great segment to have an oncologist and all the questions about cancer and what's new and um, what advances are being made in cancer would be really, really great. Okay. Oh, this is also a good one. This is a, a, a caution for you: air fresheners, any of those plugins that you use around the house. This article is be careful of diffusers and sprays. They may pose hazards to pets. They irritate the lungs or deposit chemical residues that end up on their fur, and then when they ingest, when they clean themselves they might be a problem. So make sure when you use them you're going to use them in well ventilated areas. And um but that's pretty frightening because a lot of a lot I mean we have you know the Glade all those you know, those air fresheners we have plugged in around the house. So um also FIP and cats I want to talk about that. I know we've mentioned it before. I kind of registered but I joined a site called FIP Warriors. Now I've had a number of cats FIP feline infectious peritonitis a coronavirus that is basically was, I can clearly say 100% deadly, especially the effusive or the wet form. Uh, it could be controlled for a while if they have the dry form, but it was a deadly disease. And now there's a cure. And what's so interesting, we're getting caught up in this FDA political BS where the discovery was made at Davis, Dr. Niels Peterson, who was actually one of my professors you know, back in the early 80s. And um, they have a, basically it's a cure. It's, it's called GS441524. They just call it GS441 for short. It is related to like remdesivir that they were using to treat COVID early on. Still, I think are. And um, anyway, it's curing these cats, curing cats. I've had about eight patients. The only one that didn't do well. And there's a side story to that one, which I'm a bit suspect. The owner was unable to give all the shots. You have to give 84 consecutive shots, 84 days. And he... Um, so he, a friend of his was worked at, or was a vet in Mexico. And he took, he said, I can't do it. I don't have the time. I'm, I don't have the knowledge. He put the, send the cat and the medicine down to Mexico. And that's the only cat that didn't make it. So I don't know if this vet was having his test. I don't know. And I can't, it was just weird that the only cat of all of my own patients and the ones that I hear that did not do well was this one. Now, are there others that aren't doing well? I'm sure there are. It's like any treatment for any disease not every single patient but it is definitely if you have an fip cat uh, these cats get very sick their bellies fill up with fluid usually that's the effusive form they lose weight they don't want to eat they're sick cats they're strong positive for fip um anyway it is really really great quick question my female Yorkies is 11 seems to be frequently urinating more than normal seems to hold all day in kennel but when he urinates quite frequently so you know again first thing to do in a case like that anything urinary tract is I do is I do your analysis, and when I collect the urine, I do it with an ultrasound probe. So I get to look at the bladder, see if there's any crystals, any stones, what the bladder wall looks like, is there TCC, transitional cell carcinoma, you know, anything going on in the bladder. And if all is normal and the urine comes back normally, then um, I'd say look for other metabolic things that make her drink more water. So therefore it has to urinate more, diabetes, Cushing's, um, et cetera. There's so many things that can contribute to this. If there is an abnormality or you do pick up a bladder infection, then of course treat the infection. Sometimes animals like this will actually leak urine. Okay. And so if that's the case, then there are some medications for this. Uh, one that, that I like is called proin phenopropanalamine, and it's called urinary incontinence. And they say they dribble urine all the time, usually when they're sleeping. So again, then then there are animals. We talked earlier about dementia. And there's animals that because they're it's it's deep sleep they no longer wake up when they have to you know urinate and they just urinate right there in bed. So again, there are a lot of explanations for it. There are many ways that, the things you have to do to check off the list to rule out or rule in a problem, but uh, usually is pretty fixable. Last you know, worst scenario: as long as she's not leaking, then that's a good thing. You don't need the diapers, but that's another option for those that leak that are non-responsive to either uh the incurin the estrogen or the fenaropanamaly the proin so just keep that in mind but first thing you do is get a diagnosis and i'm waving 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 okay so it looks like we are out of time for those of many of us tonight and tomorrow starts Yom poor it's our big chance we we got to ask for forgiveness for for all the bad things we've done i've done quite a few so uh i'll be i'll be working on it um, but have an easy fast, those of you fasting. And uh, I'm looking forward to a, a great new year for all of us. And uh, anyway, so um, we will uh, we'll see. Oh, nah, speaking of holidays, So I'm not going to be here for the next two Sundays. There's another holiday out there. Not, not as famous as Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But uh, it's another holiday. So I'll be out the next two Sundays back three weeks from today. But I will be available, as always, you can always catch me on instagram or on pet life radio Jeff at petliferadio.com instagram here just just reach out for me and um that's right we'll we'll go we'll go uh we'll go from there thank you for joining me again sorry i've not been around the last two weeks but i will uh, as i said three more weeks and um we'll go from there great week everybody well for you great several weeks everybody and um i will be back in three weeks from today and looking forward to it any questions Send them to me where you want to save them live for the show. And for New York Yankee, I will continue to see to get a hold of Dr. Edinger and see if I can get her on the show. All right? Very good. Wonderful, easy fast, and happy new year to, to my Jewish friends. And we'll um, uh, we'll see you in a week. Bye-bye. Let's talk pets every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.